Good evening. Wonderful to be here tonight. Very thankful for all that are able to make it out. Certainly pray that the things done in the assembly this, thus far have been a blessing to you, been strengthening to you, encouraging and edifying to you. I know that they have been to me, and I pray that as we turn now to a study of God's Word, that the things that we've prepared will, will be a blessing to you as well. As, was been announced, or as has been announced, we're going to continue the study on the idea of exercising or training yourself towards godliness that we've been going through this whole week. And as we kind of come down to these last couple of, of studies, you know, the first part of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we began talking about things that uh, are individualized, like the discipline of how I think, the discipline of how I use my tongue, my conduct. And we put all that together on Thursday. Last night, kind of stepped away and went a little bit different direction, talked about building my relationship, drawing close to God. And this evening, we're going to go even a little bit, what might seem a little bit different when we talk about finding your role in the congregation and how that ties to the development of my discipline. I want to tell you at the very beginning of our study tonight that the premise that this lesson is built on is this. You can't become the disciple God has called you to become. You can't grow the way he's called you to grow until you find and fill your place in a local congregation. There's a lot of people today that don't believe that, that think that they can have religion, have a relationship with God apart from the church. And they'll tell you, I want to be religious, but I want no part of organized religion. And even sometimes within the body, there are those that say, I'll be a member, but don't ask a whole lot of me. I'll show up most of the time. But I want to tell you, I believe the scriptures teach that for me to grow into what God has called me to become, I need the church. And I'm not going to be able to achieve that unless I'm part of that body the way God designed me to be part of that body. And someone might say, well, that, that's what I would expect somebody who makes a living building churches to say. I would expect them to say that you have to be part of a church for it to grow. That kind of makes sense. I want to show you tonight through the scriptures that we need to have the proper perspective of what the church is and then some basic truths about what the church is. And then from all that, we'll learn how that we can find our role. To begin with, getting the proper perspective of the church, I think sometimes when we look at what the church is, we begin to think about an institution, this group versus that group. In Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 9, the Bible says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, seven angels which had the seven vials full of seven last plagues, and talked to me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away into a, in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having a glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. As you continue to read here, we get this description of this city that descends out of heaven, this heavenly Jerusalem that God just goes on and on about. And I love how he describes it here, is it has the glory of God, and it's like a stone most precious. In fact, if you go to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, there it talks more about this when it tells us that we've come unto the city of the living God, unto Mount Zion, unto the church of the firstborn, to the heavenly Jerusalem. And what really we're seeing is that the church, that's what I believe he's describing here, the church is the bride. It is the bride of Christ. When we stop and think about how important is a man's bride to him, well the answer is it's pretty important. And God is no different with the bride of Christ being important to him. In Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about the church. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. 
He talks about how he wants to have this beautiful bride, this beautiful church, that that's his goal, is to make it beautiful. And here in Revelation, he talks about it having the glory of God and having a stone, or being like a stone most precious, even a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Over and over, the scriptures show us God doting on his kingdom, on his church, and that ought to grab my attention and say, you know, if that's important to God, maybe it ought to be important to me. When we get real, a little bit more specific, we see that not only is the church called his bride, but it's also called his body. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says, and he is the head of the body, the church. It is the body of Christ. It is the church that he has. The church and the body are used interchangeably. And we say church, a lot of times we kind of use that term in a very general sense and certainly the scriptures use it in various senses sometimes it's talking about all the saved throughout the whole world when it talks about the church of the firstborn there in the book of hebrews sometimes it's referring to a group of christians in a certain region such as is used in the book of galatians when it says the churches of galatia salute you Sometimes it's used to, in a regional sense when it's talking about like the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians there chapter 1 when he talks about who he's addressing this to. And sometimes it's used as the assembly in 1 Corinthians 14 when he talks to, there in verse 26, when you've come together in the church, how is it, brethren, he says, and begins to ask these questions. So this evening when I have this premise before you that the church is important to God, you might say, well, which of those is it? The universal, the regional, the local, the assembly? And my answer would be yes, it is. All of those are important to God. But he's placed you, what we're going to see tonight, within a local body. And we talk about this evening finding your place in the local body. It's not just about the assembly. It's about in that group of saved people that meet in one location and finding your role in that. To see that it's important to God. You know, there's two real basic ways we could probably uh, get real specific and talk about a lot of different things. But if we broke all the different ways that the people look at the church, there's really two different ways to look at the church. One is this view of the church that says there exists this body, there exists this group of people, there exists this church, and they're there to serve me. They're there to make me happy. They're there to meet my needs. They're there to make sure that I'm growing and I'm staying in the faith. And it's their job to serve me. Typically, people that see the church this way are typically, not always, but typically people that are there for the theater production of the church. And if it's not good enough, they're going to gripe and they're going to complain. They're going to be the ones that say, I, I don't like the way you do this and I don't like the way the church does that as if the church is there to serve them and meet their needs. And I think you can see the other side of that, that the church is there not to meet their needs, but the church exists for them to serve. And I think you can take any view of the church to one of those two extremes. Either someone is viewing the church as a means to be there to serve them, or it's a body that's there for me to serve. And I think you know this evening that I'm going to take the premise that tonight that the church is there for you to serve, that you have a role in the body, that you have a function that you're to play. And we can understand this a little bit better as we understand some basic truths about the church. If you have a Bible, if not, we're going to read them up here. I'm going to read a couple of passages that are very lengthy before we get into some of these basic truths. I've got four basic truths about the church I want to share with you and then some things that we can do to find our role. But before we do that, I want to read a couple of passages. One is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the other is Romans chapter 12. We're going to read uh, from verse 12 to the end of chapter uh, 12 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12.
12. And then in verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 4 on down to about, I believe it's about verse 16. I want these for two places that talk about the church, that talk about the body. There's a lot of material in there that we're not going to have time to cover tonight. But I do want those things in your mind as we talk about some of these things to kind of give you a backdrop, if you will, to understand some of these things. Beginning in Romans chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 12 the Bible says, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not of the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not an eye, is it not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now there are many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor the, again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have a more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but all the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, government, diversity of tongue. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covest earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. So Paul here has, through the Holy Spirit, talked quite a bit about the body. We're going to draw off of some of these things in here as we make some points, but there's some things in here that we'll not get to, uh, but I encourage you to continue to study this. In Romans chapter 12, beginning there in verse 4, we find a very similar teaching but that adds a few more details that I think are important for us this evening. It says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Having then gifts different according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep. Whoops, I'm going the wrong way. And weep with them that uh, do weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. Sometimes we feel like the... Romans chapter 12 kind of ends here when he begins to talk about some other things after he gets past this mercifulness. When he gets this love, we kind of tend to cut that off. But I would submit to you that from that point forward all the way through verse 16, he's still dealing with the relationships within the church. It's at verse 17 that he changes a little bit of the context when he begins to talk about our relationship with those outside the body. 
But before that, he's talking about our relationship with the body. And one of the things that I've become convinced of in a study of God's scriptures is that God cares about my relationships. That I can't claim that I'm right in my relationship with God if I'm not right in my relationship with my fellow man. Whether it be all of man in, in general, if I'm not in right relationships there or seeking those things. If I'm not in a right relationship in my home. In fact, the Bible tells me having a bad relationship within my home is going to cause my prayers to be hindered. Having wrong relationships in the church weakens me and strengthens and weakens myself and the church and causes us both to lack the strength to function the way that we should. And so God is concerned about the relationships I have. And the relationship I want you to focus on tonight that, that's kind of the subject of our discussion is the relationship of myself to other believers within the body. That God has a purpose for the church. It's not an accident. In fact, the first basic truth I want to share with you is that the church isn't plan B. It wasn't a backup plan. God had, from foundation of the world, knew what was going to happen, and he had a plan in motion that involved the church. Notice, if you will, here's Christ's teaching in Matthew 16. He said to Peter and the other apostles there, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. You know, this is long before Christ really began to open the understanding of the apostles and help them see that he was going to die and be buried. Before they even began to understand that concept, that he was going to be betrayed, that he was going to be crucified, before they even got that, we find Christ teaching, I'm going to build my church. This is still when... Other people, including the apostles, weren't sure what they were seeing in Christ. If you put this in context, go back a few verses. The Bible talks here about them coming to the coast of Caesarea Philippi and Jesus asking his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they say, Well, some say you're John the Baptist or Elias or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And it's Peter at this point that says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. They're starting to get that, but they have no idea about his death. His barrel, they don't get that yet. Before they ever begin to get that, Christ begins to teach them about the church. Why is that important? Because I want us to understand, where did Christ get this doctrine that he taught them about the church? Is this something he came up with himself? Something that he wrote and decided to teach? Certainly not. John chapter 6 and verse 38, the scriptures say here, Jesus speaking, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. In fact, you can find over and over and over, especially in the book of John, where Jesus makes an argument that I've not spoken of myself. I'm not here to do my own will, but it's the Father that sent me. He gave me commandment, what I should say, what I should speak. Over and over, Jesus makes this argument. I've come from heaven to do what God told me to do and to bring the message God told me to bring. What message did God tell him to bring? To go build a church. That was part of the message that came from the throne of God. This was God's plan from the foundation of the world that there would be a body of believers that came together into a group and would function in a certain way. Someone might say, well, does that mean that this congregation was planned by God? I don't know. I, I, you know, there's providence. and We can get into a whole lot of arguments about those things. Here's what I can tell you the scriptures do say very clearly. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning there in verse 12, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who hath worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. You know, what I can tell you is that God has had a plan that his body would come into existence and that it would function in a certain way. 
So when the elders here are trying to get this congregation to function in a certain way, or the elders at your home congregation, it's not their decision, it's not their will on how the church is going to function. That's already been predetermined. God set that in motion. What their job is to do is to guide the body into that understanding, guide the body into that learning. They don't discern, describe the doctrine. They don't determine the doctrine. What they do is guide the body to grow in the way God wants it to grow, to follow that. The whole point that I want you to get out of this is the church isn't an accident, that God had a plan for it from the foundation of the world. And if he had a plan for it and if he built it on purpose, that ought to grab my attention and say, hey, this just isn't an accident that God wants me to, maybe I should be a part of it, maybe I shouldn't. God has a plan for it. God has a purpose for it. Secondly, not only did God have a plan for it, that he planned the church, I want you to notice in some of the readings that we noticed tonight, the Bible says God placed you in the body. There's a lot of different groups out there today that practice a lot of different things. Some of them practice a form of church membership where a person's added by votes. And listen, I like a lot of you. You're nice people, but I'm not voting for you. <laughs> I know you're not voting for me. That's why I say it. I get my shot first. I'm glad that it's not up to you and I to vote on one another. The Scriptures clearly teach that it's not about my ability or your ability to put someone in the church. In fact, the Scriptures teach very plainly that it's the ability of God at the point of salvation that a person is added to the church. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, the Bible says, The Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. That's the Lord's doing. It's not my doing. It's not your doing. We lack the power to add or subtract someone from the church. He planned it, and He places people in there at the point of salvation. Again, notice, if you will, we read that concept in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul recalls this when he says, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Notice what he says. Whether we be Jew or Gentile, we bond or free, we've all been made to drink into one Spirit. There's something about this statement that says, hey, we all came in the front door together. Nobody was here. Nobody built this. Everybody had to come in the same way. And when you walk in that door, whether you're Jew or Greek, whether you're bond or free, you all walked in the same door the same way. That we were added to the church not by our own wisdom, not by our own righteousness, not by how good we could be, but by God adding us to the church. God placed you in the body. Does that think, do you think that's important to him? If it's important enough for him to place you in it and him to plan it, don't you think it's important to you? It should be. Not only did he place you in it, but it goes on to tell you that he set the members as it pleased him. Not only did God place the saved in the church, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12 there makes this argument that God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. It's not about how I think it ought to be in the body or how you think it ought to be in the body. But God set the members. He put, He allayed, He appointed. That's what the word set means. I would submit to you that what this tells us is that God has placed you into the body not by accident, but for a purpose, for a reason. That there is something that God expects you to do within the body. God placed you in that body. And he gave you talents. And he gave you abilities. And he placed you in that body for a reason to accomplish something. Notice, if you will, here, Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. The Bible says, Having then gifts different according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. And he goes on and talks about several different gifts here. Now, we might have the discussion on whether or not all these gifts listed here in 
Romans chapter 12 are miraculous or not? And here's the answer. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're miraculous because there are things there that may be miraculous. In fact, every one of them may be, but there's a lot of those things that can be learned, that are natural skills that can be developed. The point that I want you to understand is during this time, it might have been a miraculous gift, but today, not so much. The gift that he goes on and talks in there about government, about being able to oversee and to organize things, that doesn't take the miraculous to get that done today. It takes people that are submitted to God, that will take their life seriously and focus on Him and say, these are my abilities, how can they be used to serve God? And that's exactly what we see here, that these individuals were placed within the body by God. He set them in there, He appointed them in there, and He gave gifts. There's a purpose that God has in setting people in the body. God planned the church. Secondly, God placed you in that church, and God expects you, as He places you in that church, to be a functioning member. In a passage, a passage that we often cite when we're talking here about missing the assemblies, when we talk about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, and if someone misses church once or twice or three times, we're quick to go to them and, and read Hebrews chapter 10. But I want to tell you, I don't think this is limited to just missing church assemblies. He's talking about people not being a part of the body when it's functioning in a together sense. That includes the assemblies, but it's not limited to the assemblies. When the body is functioning and you've withdrawn from that and you're not a part of that, you're robbing the body from the function that God placed you in there to do. You're not there to provide what God wanted you to provide. God placed you in that body and He expects you to function in that role. You know, He built my physical body a certain way. And He expects each part of the body to function in a certain way. My toe doesn't do the same work as my eye. In fact, when it tries to do that, it gets hurt. We've all stumbled around in the dark. Can't see. And we're trying to use our feet to find the way. And what do you end up doing? If you're lucky, you make it. But most of the time, you stub your toe. Sometimes you fall. Sometimes you break an arm. All because your toe was trying to do a job it wasn't designed to do. God placed you in the body as it pleased Him. He gave you an ability and He expects you to function in that body. And that's the third thing I want you to know. Third basic truth is the body needs you. A lot of times we feel like we're not important. We feel like we're not a public role. We feel like, well, you know, they could get along without me. Listen, there's a sense that we all need a degree of humility, and I understand that. I want to tell you the truth, and that is this. The church was here before you came along, and if the Lord lets the world keep spinning, it'll be here after you're gone. The church is not dependent upon any one of us to save it. God saved it. God added us to the body. God planned the body, and He placed you in it. And He placed you in it in such a way that the body, to function to its fullest, needs you doing the job God has called you to do. Notice, if you will, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 15 through 17, where he said, If the foot shall say, Because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? He answers that, Certainly not. Every part is needed. And the reality is, is when you don't fulfill the role that you're supposed to be fulfilling, what you do to the body is handicapped. You create a handicapped body. We heard on Sunday Michael talking about his daughter's jobs, that she take care of those young people, that young man that has some handicaps. 
And the reality is that some handicapped people can still function. Most can still function. Most at a, at a very high level, in fact. There are some that are able to, to be, do amazing things despite having a, a physical handicap somewhere. But what I've noticed about those people is that they have to either have A, someone help them so that the rest of their body takes on more responsibility, or they get some type of artificial replacement for the part that's missing. Either the rest of the body has to overcompensate and try to carry the load of the missing limb, or they get some artificial device to try to take place of that limb. Can you imagine what would happen in a race if a person who didn't have a leg for some reason, they had just one but not two, whether it was a car accident, whether it was disease, whether they were born that way, whatever reason, they've, they've lost a leg. Could you imagine them trying to run a race without any assistance from anybody else, without any replacement parts, just on one leg. You know what would happen? They could do it. Don't get me wrong. They could do it. They would have to hop. It wouldn't be a run. It would be a hop. But you know what that would do to the rest of the body? Jarring it. The arms would have to be used a lot more for balance than they typically are. The, knees would, the knee would wear out, not knees. The knee would wear out trying to carry the weight and suspension of that jump over and over. It could do it, but it would be a lot harder on the body. I want to tell you, when it comes to the kingdom, when it comes to the spiritual kingdom, the church, number one, there are no replacement parts we can go find. There's not an artificial part that we can go buy and put in the body that fulfills the role you're supposed to be playing. We can't do that. And so what's left to happen is, is when you don't feel the role God gave you to, to do, the body's handicapped. And somebody somewhere has to carry more weight than God designed. And what that does to members is wears them out. And it causes the body to not be as efficient as it could be. And I think we see that in real simple terms. You think Usain Bolt's fast, take away one of his legs. Take away one of you, Usain Bolt, for you guys that don't know, the Olympic sprinter that set all the world records. You think he's fast, take away one of his legs. Any of us could beat him. We could walk and beat him. But with both legs, the man's amazing. And I'll tell you, the same is true for the body of Christ. When all the members are functioning together the way God designed it, it's an amazing thing to watch. God designed the body and that body needs you in it, needs you fulfilling the role in it that God gave you in that body because all are important and you need that body. If you are struggling to see that, I want you to understand that the body needs you because he says in Romans chapter 12 that not all have the same office, that we all have a different function in the body. And just because I may not think my part is important doesn't mean it's not important. Cut off your toes and watch what happens to your body. I can't see a whole lot of people's toes right now. They're not understanding this message. But I know without your toes, you'd have had a whole lot more difficulty getting here tonight. Every part of your body is needful. Notice what he says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 23 when we talked about this. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. You know, a lot of times, notice what he says. It's not that there are honorable and dishonorable parts of the body. He said those members which we think to be less honorable. That's a personal opinion, he's saying. He didn't say there are some that are less honorable than others. 
He's going, listen, if you think there are parts that are less honorable, fine, do that. Just know that you need to bestow or give more abundant honor to those parts that you think are less honorable. He said, if you think a part's not important, then you need to praise it more. That's the idea he's teaching. The reality is, is that within your body, every part matters and every part's important. And the body, to function properly, needs you to fulfill your role in that body. Not only does the body need you, you need the body. Other members in this congregation need you to do what God called you to do so that they can grow and be strengthened. But you need the body so that you can grow and be strengthened. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 4 says. When he says here, But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto itself, unto the edifying of itself in love. The body grows. I'm part of that body and I'm only going to grow when I'm interacting with the body in such a way that I'm giving the other parts of the body what they need and I'm receiving from them what they supply to me. I can't do what God called me to do all by myself. We've got cowboy Christianity deep in our roots. We think, well, just me and a Bible and a shade tree and I can serve God. I don't need all those people. Yes, you do. Well, you know, I don't have to go to church to worship God. I can just take my Bible and go sit out under a shade tree. Okay, please do that. Grab your Bible and go sit under the shade tree. Actually do it. Don't just say it. Go grab your Bible, sit under the shade tree, and read it. And let me show you what you're going to find. You need the body. You're going to find God saying, you need the body. You need what's supplied by the rest of the body, which every joint supplies. And if you're not there, how can you receive what you need? Over and over, the Bible teaches this concept of us being together. Not you do your Christianity and I do mine and, and we kind of walk in the same general area. It talks about our lives being intertwined together. Our lives working and worshiping together. If you don't believe that sometime, go through the Bible, just the New Testament, and read all the one another statements that are in the Bible. There are a ton of one another statements, just a few that are here that the Bible says, you're to prefer one another, receive one another, greet one another, serve one another, forgive one another, forbear one another, admonish one another, comfort one another, edify one another, exhort one another, love one another, and a lot of these are in there multiple, multiple, multiple times. And this is a quick list. I ran out of room on the PowerPoint. I was going to, I don't know how many slides I could build, but I decided not to build a whole bunch. It had taken a lot of time to get every one another reference down in the Bible. And here's the point I can't admonish one another if there's not another. It can't be done. I can't love, I can't comfort, I can't get the edification, the strength, the guidance, the direction I need if you're not there. You need the body, and the body needs you. That's the truth of God's design. He planned it, and He placed you in it, set you in it for a reason, and that reason is that you could supply to the body what He's asked you to supply, and that you might receive from the body what He's asked you to receive from the body. That's the design of God. It's, it's a brilliant and beautiful design if we'll stop and really consider it. 
It's amazing what God set in motion. So the question then becomes is, how then do I find my role in that body? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing? How can I be of service to this local congregation in such a way that glorifies and honors God? You're going to laugh a little bit, but the very first thing I want to tell you, it's not about you. <laughs> Sounds just like the exact opposite of everything I've just been saying, doesn't it? We've been saying how important you are to the body, and you need to be in the body, and the body needs you, but it's not about you. Allow me to explain by taking a look at a verse here in John chapter 15 and verse 5. The verse says this, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. What I mean when I say it's not about you, it's not about what abilities and talents and how great you can or can't be. I think sometimes we worry too much about what everybody's going to think about me. And that reason keeps us sitting on the pew. I can't do anything. There's Mike McCorkle. He's, he's the best preacher that's ever been. Why should I even bother to preach? And we begin to think things like that, and we sit down on the pew and say, I can't do it as well as them. I want to tell you, thinking like that is very prideful thinking because it's all about me. And that's where my focus is at. Sometimes it's the other way around. I know Michael's up there, and he's pretty good, but if he'd sit down, I'd show him what real preaching looks like. Sometimes we think that way. And it can be either way. And I want to tell you, both of those are an issue of pride that says, look at what I can do. Look what I can't do. And when I say it's not about you, that's the first thing I want you to understand. It's not about how talented and strong and wonderful you are. It's about how surrendered you are to Christ. Christ, through you, can do amazing things. Your amazing talents without Christ aren't squat. That's the reality. Without me, you can do nothing. So the first thing, if you want to find your role in what you can do in blessing the body, first thing you need to realize is it's not about you. It's about how Christ can use you. What is there that Christ can do with your life to bless the congregation? Secondly, it's about making that a priority. If you want to find your role in the body, make it something that's important to you to do. Make it something that means something to you. The reality is, is we all find time for the things that are important to us. Notice, if you will, Matthew 6 and verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, all these, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We're to put it as a priority, not around my weekend schedule, not around my work schedule, not around my vacation schedule, not around my life schedule. It's a priority. It is my life. The reason I say that is because when I make something important to me, that's when I begin to care for it and begin to do the things and seek ways that I can bless that. Without that, if it's not important to me, I'm not going to take a lot of time to do anything with it. Notice, if you will, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 and 26, where it talks here about every member having the same care one for another. You know, if I care about something, it becomes important to me. If I don't, it doesn't. For example, if you came up to me tonight and said, Mike, I've got an extra ticket to the ballet. Do you want to go? Um, there's a potential my grass might need mowing in three or four days. I better go ahead and mow it now. I'd rather mow the grass than go to a ballet. I'm not going because I don't care about the ballet. If you came up to me and said, Mike, I've got a couple of tickets for the Phantom of the Opera. <clears throat> I don't like Phantom of the Opera, but my wife loves it. I've seen them things seven times. I don't like watching fan of the opera, I'll tell you what I like. I like watching my wife 
watch Phantom of the Opera because I care about her. It's amazing to watch her get carried away with a silly little thing, I think. But she loves it. And because I care, if you offered those to me, I'd find the time. You know, if you came to me and said, Mike, I got free tickets to an all-you-can-eat steak dinner. <laughs> when we going? Because I care. You know, that's the same principle I'm trying to get you to see when it comes to finding your role in the body. Make it a priority that says, I care about this congregation. I care about this people. I care what happens in this community. You know, I think a lot of times evangelists get way too much credit for gospel meetings and way too much credit when a congregation grows. I think sometimes people put on their shoulders praise that doesn't belong to them. I'll tell you what makes a gospel meeting successful when a local congregation works. I'll tell you what makes a local congregation successful in their local work when you have members that say, this is my home, this is my body that God placed me in. I'm committed to it and I'm going to do what it takes to grow because I care about these people. I believe that's where it starts at. You want to find the role that God has for you. Make this body a priority in your life. The people in it a priority in your life. Not just people that you see on Sunday, but people that you can't make this Christian walk without. Every single one of them. Make them a priority in your life. Intertwine your life with their life. And I promise as you do that, you'll begin to find places that you can serve. Because you'll begin to be able to see yourself within that body, being honest with who you are and what you can do. And I think that's important to be honest. You know, I love my feet. They do a great job. I don't want them feeding me. I know some people that are handicapped that learn to do that. I'm not. My body functions normally. My feet are smelly. They're stinky. I don't want them bringing food near my mouth and nose. I want each part doing the job it's supposed to. And only when I'm honest can I find that and say, here's where I can and can't do things. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, the Bible says that, For though I say the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than not to think, but to think soberly, according as God had given or dealt to every man the measure of faith. I need to have an honest opinion of who I am. Not too high, but also not too low. I think we're more tempted to say, don't be too boastful, but at the same time, don't sit there and go, well, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. You have talents. You have abilities. You have things that you already do in life. Maybe you're an outgoing person. Maybe you like to, to work alone with your hands. Maybe you're mechanical. Maybe you're the kind of person that's never met a stranger. There's a thousand different things that you do every day with your life. And what you need to look at is, what is it that I have the ability to do? Whether it's something that we would say is simple, like bake a cake, or if it's something that we might think is more complicated, like going talking to a total stranger. I don't know which of those seems easier to you. If you want to know the truth, talking to a total stranger is a whole lot easier than walking into any kitchen for me. I'd rather do that a hundred times than bake one cupcake. I just, I'm not good at it. We all have different functions. And where is your strength at? What abilities do you have? And once you realize, listen, it's not about me, but... This is important to me and I'm going to find my position by taking an honest look at my life and saying these are the things that I already do and already can do. Now how can I take those things and build other people up with them? That's what it takes to find your spot in the body. It's not about my strength. It's not about my ability. 
But I care about these people. I care about this body. Here's what I can do. Here's my strengths. Here's my abilities. How can I use that to bless other people? That's what it takes to find your spot in the body. Philippians 2 and verse 3, the Bible says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. When I think my talents and my abilities, and I begin to find a way to use them in such a way to bless other people, I'm going to find a way to find my role in the body. I want to say one last thing, and I didn't get permission to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you're a member of this congregation and you're struggling to find your spot in this body, Yancey and Matt would love to meet with you, love to sit down and study with you and talk with you and help you find your spot in this body. That's the job of the elders. That's what they're here for, to help guide you, to help you discover how you can take what God has blessed you with talent and ability-wise and turn and serve one another with it. Because the reality is, is that the body functions better when every joint supplying what's needed. He says in Ephesians 4, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's what God called for. I want to tell you that's what you need as a Christian. You want to exercise yourself to godliness. You want to learn to control your thinking, learn to control your tongue. You want to bring your body into submission to God. You want to be successful in battling sin. You need the body. You need to be a part of it. You need to be functioning in it, supplying to the rest of the members what you can and receiving from those members what you need. That's what God said. Every one of us need that. And as I strive to become the man that God called me to become and you strive to become the young lady that God called you to become, you need the body. If you've not been added to that body, understand tonight that only Christ Jesus can add you to that body. And if you've been added to that body, you've not been functioning within the body the way that you should. Christ stands tonight calling you for you to fulfill your role that the body might receive from you what it needs and you might receive from the body what it needs. Just a second, we're going to sing an invitation song. And as we said every evening this evening or this week, it's not my invitation, but we believe it to be the invitation of the church, the invitation of Jesus Christ Himself. If you have a spiritual need that Christ can meet tonight, He stands ready to receive you and to bless you and strengthen you in the way that you need. We'd love to be your servant and help you taking that need to Him. We simply need to know of that need by asking you to have a seat in the front row as we stand now to sing the song that's been selected.